Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Welcome to the News Podcast number 439. Come see me do stand-up in cities like Seattle, Minneapolis, Chicago. Well, just those three. Those are the three cities that I'm performing at in December. Go to Nerdist.com slash calendar. Come on out. Matt Myra's going to be opening so you can pinch his adorably less cherubic face because he's been exercising and eating well. Uh, But it'll sort of be like, it'll be two-thirds of the podcast there. And uh, come out and see us. Come out. See us. This episode of Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Fox's Almost Human. From J.J. Abrams and J.H. Wyman, the producer of Fringe, comes the next evolution of cop dramas. Is that a good TV dramatic voice, Kyle? I feel like maybe it's not a good enough movie drama voice, but I feel like it it definitely would work for TV. Tonight, an unforgettable, almost human. I could totally do that. Tonight on Fox's Night at the Movies. Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, Almost Human from J.J. Abrams and uh, and J.H. Wyman. So essentially the story is that it's the year 2048. Every police officer has the latest in weapons technology and an android partner. So um, this is, uh, this is a, a robot cop show, and uh, it premieres after the doubleheader, Sunday, November 17th, on Fox. Don't be left in the dark. Watch it live Sunday night, almost human, on Fox. Now, I can see how like, I really take it out of your voice after a while, and then you would just be gravelly guy. I, what? Yeah. It's just weird just hearing you say something. Like, hearing those words come through your beard is, uh, just feels just feels weird to me, Kyle. It just feels weird. Curse this beard. Curse this beard. You don't have to curse it. You can shave it off. It'd be fun. <laughs> That's okay. Just hit 10 and just do, like, a thin mustache. Huh? Evil. Evil. Uh, these are some of my favorite podcasts that we have when I have on Comedy Pals that I've known for ages and ages and ages. Jackie Cation and I started doing stand-up around the same time, did a lot of the same open mics, and I always adored her comedy. And Jackie was the person who put a copy of Harry Potter in my hands in the late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. and said, you're going to read this? I want you to read this? It's Harry Potter? going to change your life. I think, that was, I think that was kind of the Jackie cadence. And... Uh, and that's exactly that's exactly what happened. So uh, Jackie is uh, a, a hardcore gamer, a lover of sci-fi, has an amazing podcast called Dork Forest, which I've been on, and you should absolutely listen to. So please enjoy the Nerdist Podcast number four thirty nine with Jackie Cation. Now entering Nerdist.com.
Speaking uh, of Twitter. What? Jackie Cation's here. <laughs> Jackie Cation. <laughs> Hi. Oh, it's We're so all on to... Twitter. Yeah, we are. Jackie, uh, Jackie was one of the, well, Jackie and I have a, a lustrous history. Checkered. Checkered past. <laughs> Jackie was one of the first people that I was friends with in the co- in the LA comedy scene, yeah, like with the open mic scene. Yeah, yeah. Maybe... Didn't we do that weird thing in in Westwood? Yeah. What Gypsy Cafe? That's it. Yeah, there was. Uh, that was the dumbest the, venue. The open mics. The, open, <laughs> yeah. the show was so much fun. I was drunk a lot of the time. Oh, who wasn't? Uh, but <laughs> the audience sadly was. And then they would talk like I was. A, I remember one time I had to yell at people and say, "What am I, a band? Yeah. You're gonna, you gotta pay attention to the whole song, kids." Yes. And then, uh, yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> there was a really. <laughs> remember Robin, Robin Jones, and and Mary Keith <laughs> O'Brien. Yes, I do. Married booked, low these many years. Who booked the Friday show? But then also that I ended up booking the show with them, and then they started oh, coming. Right. And then they also would pop into Vance's uh, Vance Sanders Tuesday night show at the Gypsy. Oh right. There was one. This this is a this actually happened <laughs> during the show, but um, they they started that. they introduced hookahs to the Gypsy Cafe. So all right. these uh, long time coming. Nice all these gypsy. very all these very wealthy Persian kids would come in these like insane. Like S class white Mercedes, it was right and um, just reeking of fake Giorgio and, and, Cologne. And they and didn't, a, uh, and you know, and, and, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's racist or anything to say this. I don't mean this anything in any disparaging way. They did not like to, they did not want to have to be quiet for the show. No, that, that's that ageist. That isn't racism. That that's was ageism. that was teenagers. Like, you crazy kids. Yes, get your shit together. But yeah. one time, um, there was a table of uh, of. Of kids and they were uh, smoke. They were because they're high school kids. They're not even college. They were. Kids. I think they were high school slash college. But, yeah. But uh, and so there was a table. They and, don't go to college. And they were guys. talking. <laughs> but they were. Uh, There's the line. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking uh, at the table very loudly, uh, almost kind of defiantly, you know, for the show. <laughs> and then Robin kept saying like. Hey, could you please, you know, like guys, keep it down. We're doing the show. Like he was, he tried to, you know. And then one of the kids goes, uh, "This guy thinks he's funny. He's no Jay Leno, but he thinks he is, or something like that." Good writing. And then, but then Robin imitated oh. the guy's accent back to him, and he uh-huh. goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Are we not funny enough for you? Are we not funny enough for you like that?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh shit, A line was just crossed in the other direction." <laughs> And the kid looked at him for a second, and I was right next to their table, and he looked at his friends, and I swear to God, he said, and they wonder why we become terrorists. And, oh then, they all, and then they all laughed. Uh, and I was like, eh. That was pretty funny. <laughs> and it was very shortly after that where- I don't mind, I don't mind that at all. That's the funniest very, thing the kid said. Very, very, shortly, very shortly after that, the show moved to the Westwood Brewing Company <laughs> uh, and away from Hookah Village. And but, then it died. Well, it just recently died. It lived on for a very long time. Oh, right, because he was holding the Tuesday open mic there? It, just yeah. July was the last show because oh, the Bruco right. got sold, and so it was sold changing. Sold from but, underneath it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I realized very quickly, like, um, you're you're one of those people that was like, oh, yes, uh, Jackie is nerd folks. She understands the things that I say. Oh, yes. And you were the one who introduced me to Harry Potter, which I believe was right around Goblet of Fire. Yeah, I think it might have been. Um, I thought it was. Yeah, that sounds I think right. it was Goblet. Might have been the one right before that. What is it? How does it go? Philosopher's Stone? It's Let's the, do the British Well, you're names. doing the British version. Yeah. You're, doing uh, the, you're doing the Philosopher's Stone, <laughs> Chamber of Secrets. Then yep. I think it's Goblet of Fire. It isn't. It's, uh, um, it's Prisoner it, of Azkaban. Azkaban. Then Goblet of Fire. Four and then Deathly Hot. Ha- and then Deathly and then Hallows. Deathly, no, no, Deathly Hallows is seven. What happened to the Order of the Phoenix? Uh, Order of oh, the, Order the Phoenix, Phoenix is six. Is six. Um, 
Guys, if there's one thing I've this learned, this is a fan. The, oh, oh, the uh, uh, the Half Blood Prince. Yes. Half Blood Prince. How, yes. How, how could we have forgotten Snape? How could we have forgotten uh, can't, Severus? M- more Snape. That's what I always think whenever <laughs> I see a movie. More Snape. Uh, but you you introduced me to the series uh, after only Which a few I books. Which was interesting. Yeah. And uh, so then you then you were in for the next one and the net, like you were in the waiting game with the rest of us, right? Yes, it was very fun to catch up on the th- on the three that I read. Yeah, like, because you know. And and of course they get progressively longer, <laughs> right? Because n- people become progressively unwilling to edit her, mm-hmm. uh, as they're like, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm sure every word is a genius word. I'm sure it's amazing, J.K. It's a, and, uh, it's a bit, it was a, it's a bit billion uh, dollars, billion I, dollars later, billion dollars later, I would have invo- invoked possibly line veto, uh, just someone just to <laughs> go through with a pen and just go, these are suggestions. You take them, you leave them. I'm just saying this is slightly redundant. <laughs> How about three months of camping in the last Three months book? of camping, which and not only did they not edit out of the book, but they were like, and let's just keep this in the movie, too. <laughs> right, right. Of them it's just like, moving the tent. Yeah, exactly. We're going to move the tent again. It's going to be a great scene. Poof. And you're like, we all have a green screen. We could all do this. We could all make it poof. Still, still uh, absolute, yeah. absolute love. So I, I, worthwhile. I, I owe you for that. And, uh, and... I also I also have to atone for the time that I told you to tell the story on stage when you uh, I am with... consistently taking bad advice like that. What yeah. did I you, say? Told, you told me a story once about how you met an old guy at a bar. Oh, that made it onto my album. It you did. Should, yeah, you, there's no way you should apologize for okay, that. Okay, good. Because yeah, yeah. I thought I thought I, the first time I saw you do it, it didn't go well, and you were like, "Yeah, I don't know. It just <laughs> it just freaked him out. It just freaked yeah, him out." But that entertained me, me enough to for me to write it tighter. And uh, so that is that is the old guy on uh, on. Uh, it's never going to be bread available on iTunes. Uh, here's the thing. Um, the uh, yeah, that I, when I was 23, I met uh, an, I, I went drinking. Right? right? As you do uh, when you're 23, you say to yourself, I'm going to go look for a video game and a beer. And then all of a sudden it's 11 p.m. as a 23-year-old And you grew lady. up in Minnesota? I was in, this is in Milwaukee. I, was, I grew M- up in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Outside of Milwaukee. But I was living with my sister in Milwaukee. And I was walking distance from her house. And at 11 o'clock at night, I was friends with the career drunks, right? Who had, <laughs> sure. were holding up the bar. And one of them was a 72-year-old gentleman that uh, at 11 p.m. said, do you, you want to go, go somewhere else? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I do. Because there's more booze there. I guess, is there booze there? Then that'll be fine. And so we go, and then it's two in the morning, and then he starts hitting on me. And now we're, I don't even know where we are, because we got into his Cadillac, Cadillac excitement. Did you die? I did not die. He did not find a lime pit, and uh, (laughs) and he did not circle around looking for a lime pit for for hours. And instead, so we're in the, he starts hitting on me at like bar time. This is the story, right? Obviously. So... He's hitting on me, and, I, and I'm like, oh, gross, old guy hitting on me. And then he goes, t- starts telling me how sad he is and how long it's been and how lonely he is. And I was like, I could fuck him. It wouldn't kill me, right? <laughs> it's not going to kill me. <laughs> He's sad. He's lonely, right? And so, I, um, and so he puts his hand. Oh, wait, no, I put my hand on his thigh, on his thigh. At no time do I touch the little veteran of the big war, uh, which is uh, one of my favorite jokes in that bit. But but it's all true. And then he, this genuinely happened. He turned to me and he said, thank you. And he came. Right there. Right there. Right then. Nicely never realized. Done. I know it. Never realized how powerful I gotta give I props, was. Got to give props to the 72-year-old guy for Who being can... able to make it happen <laughs> at that. Well, and the thing is, is, and then I would love to end the story there, uh, but he had to drive to his house so he could change his pants. Of course. Right. And then I'm wandering around his weird uh, attic. Who, who know that you were, that you were fucking, uh, that you had this magic power, that you were the Roma Downey of handjobs. <laughs> 
who that is. Who is Roma? Touched by an angel. Oh, nice work. Nice one. Well played. Yeah. And uh, yes. And then, uh, and but the thing is, is so he's and there's no beer or booze anywhere. So I walk into the night. Yeah. At three thirty in the morning, going, I wonder what's going to happen to me. And uh, in the I night. had uh, sex with an Ethiopian gentleman later that evening. That's nice. Later that evening, it or was already like that morning. Later that morning, <laughs> the, I met a, a graduate student from UWM, and he was like, "Do you want to have sex?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I've been wanting to sort of have sex for the last couple hours." And uh, all I remember is that we used a condom because you should always use a condom, folks. You never know how fertile you're yeah. going to be. Really, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't in Jira. Were they just full? <laughs> no, there was no. There was a. I've been on a. I've been on an. I've been on an Ethiopian food kick, which Chloe turned me on to, and it's fucking <laughs> phenomenal. We oh, go it's to. It's great. We go to the one place, the Fairfax Ethiopian district. There's like six. There's six in a row, though. Yeah. Right? They're all in a row, and they're all they're all good in their own way. I like Rosalind's because they have yam balls <laughs> in their own way. They are so like they each kind of have them? their own thing. They oh, each nice. sort of have their own thing and their own way of presenting it. And, okay. Uh, um, I think my. I think our favorite is. Um, What's it called? It's in Brooklyn. Our favorite one in the entire country is called Gannett, and it's in Brooklyn. And <laughs> With it's G A N E T. G H. I believe it's G H E N E T. I believe it's Gannett. Okay. I think you should have said my favorite one that we've been to, because you can't just make a blanket statement. It's your favorite one in the entire country so far. There well, I think be. I think that's implied though. My favorite one means that my favorite one that I've been to. <laughs> I didn't say the best one in the country. I said my favorite right. one. Have so, you been but, to a better one? Have you been to Gannett been to, and then you got something to throw we down to, in Seattle? I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, it's eat the open phenomenal. Food. It's phenomenal. Oh, because you yeah. eat it with the injera, and you—it's basically that you know you get the bread and then no, you it's te- the bread. And you tear you, it off and then you scoop it up with your hand and eat it, and it's so. You know the rule? What with Ethiopian food, you're not supposed to touch your lips. Oh well, that's not going to happen. Right, right. I, I don't know how they do it. I'm a lip eater. I don't know. I'm a lip eater. <laughs> and what happens is, is it's part of my mouth, and uh, and especially if I'm eating with my hands. <laughs> that's where I'm everything. Just be shoving it into my into my joke yeah. hole. but I have to tell you that <laughs> I have to tell you that uh, with no other <laughs> Ethiopian food is the only cuisine <laughs> where I feel bad if I don't finish everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> where when they come to, they come to the table and you're like. <sighs> I, uh, oh, I can't. Uh, Don't you have somewhere you can send this? And uh, <laughs> I feel so. I'm always, I'm always overeating. Which the the injera, it just, it gets into your stomach, and then it just woof. And it's then like it one just, of those dinosaurs you put in water. Yeah, but it basically, <laughs> it's so delicious when you, but you start eating it really fast. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, oh, I'm really, oh too no, full, too full. There's a great one in Austin. Uh, we've been to great ones in Portland, Seattle, Canada, like uh, have everywhere. You, have you been to Minneapolis? Uh, I've in huge. Minneapolis there's a huge Ethiopian population, right. but I have not been there since I discovered my love of Ethiopian. There you food. go. Well, next time you go, you are going to be in a in a heaven of Ethiopian. I absolutely food. will. I was supposed to be at Acme in um, yeah. in September, but I had to cancel it because of work. Oh, life to lead. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was just there. I went to open mic on Monday, and uh, it didn't go well. It didn't. It Why? I know it. I know it. Uh, it went fine. Uh, I am. Quite honestly, allow me to make an announcement. Uh, I'm used to doing really well right now. I'm in a really <laughs> sweet, sweet spot. <laughs> I got some hubris going on. Uh, here's what's happening. I'm doing very well. <laughs> and so when I don't get carried off stage by people and then uh, made it canonized, uh, it turns out I get grumpy. I you get know a little grumpy. You know what's kind of fun about it is that basically... If you're if if you're a solid road comic, going and doing an open mic can be a little bit like trying to get through the wipeout course, <laughs> where you're just like, oh, I just fell off into off the wet ball into the mud. But before, I don't right. know. You know, I bury a new bit 
in and amongst the gold, uh, then I can just sort of coast. I can milk the goodwill yep, of the yep, audience yep. and get out of it. Open mic, still doing seven. Still just uh, got a and I, and I'm working on two new six minute bits, which means uh, Acme Comedy Company. I went over, uh, Jackass. Uh, can, can I tell you that that has been um, since since I've been. Uh, doing the road a lot it's become harder and harder to do like a seven to ten minute set because you're so used to building your set in the context sure. of all the stuff around it yep and so when you have seven minutes a seven minute set is totally different because it's either just a series of quick jokes mm. or i don't think you people understand i'm it's, socrates it's crap it's a journey <laughs> we're on a journey my friends it's uh, socrates oh i see i'm getting the lights uh <laughs> thanks thanks for being here um, uh, but, uh, it, he, he you, you can't, you, ha- I mean, seven minutes, if you have a bit that needs context, it's very difficult to let the audience know who you are in the first right. part of it so that you can justify the bit that you're about to do. Right. And, uh, so what you were forced to do is to be funny right from the beginning and then all the way to the end. Yeah, <laughs> that is, uh, it's one of, uh, and, and, he- and the other thing is, is I've been doing, uh, in between doing the road, I do a lot of LA sets and more and more in LA people are like, Oh, let's take the journey with Jackie. What's going to happen? And uh, and so they're forgiving before I begin. A regular open mic audience in Minneapolis, who that's my home club, right? So they kind of know who I am. They still, they're going to need it to be funny. They're going to need some they're, jokes. They're, they're going to want some comedy in there. Some punchlines, more than the three just, uh, in seven minutes. Just make fun of the last comic's closer. Oh! And then make fun of the next comic's hairdo. Well, I I know I mean like I know uh, 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 I know some people who you know in the sort of the Comic Con circuit that have been had some success doing sets in front of the Comic Con crowd, and then oh, and then right. if, if they ever drift outside and do an actual open like an actual just a regular show, a regular open show. Mic? It's it's they're like what happened? I'm like yeah, yeah. well because you're five minutes on Phantom because, because is not going to kill. You're 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 you know when you're performing in front of your audience. What is the Comic Con circuit? Well, it's like comic book. There's comic. I, I I did Anime Con this year and Convergence, where they flew me in to do a live dork forest and a stand up show, and they were the greatest audiences the in best. the world. Yeah, they're the best. And yeah, they get everything. Yeah, the first time Mike Furman and I. We yeah. we'd been on the road doing clubs and struggling, and then we did you know American Dinosaurs and Pie, the song about yeah. Pie, and then El Corazon, <laughs> in, at, at Comic Con, like you know six years ago or something, right. and it was just like, like the room shook, and we're like, oh, you're supposed to find <laughs> your audience and then perform. You know, normally the process is you do the road, and you know you shed people along the way that aren't into what you do and then the next time you go back it's more and more of your people until eventually mm. it's just all your or people. Or you give up and you get this really awesome chunk about bros. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever. <laughs> or you can just go to the you can go to the water source <laughs> where your audience is and then perform yeah. and, and then perform for them and it's just such it's such is a that different Is why we mostly do live shows around Comic Cons? Um, well, no, it's mainly because it's uh, you're there anyway doing it's seventy be- panels. Well, yeah, that, and it's not it's not as expensive to. It's really expensive for us just to go into a town and do the podcast yeah. without any outside promotion yeah, or anything. I've, I've been doing more and more of those. Like I just did one in Portland, and I'm doing one in San Francisco in a couple of weeks, and it's. I don't make the, I don't make any money. I don't make, I make so you know it'll it's all fine, and but I want to do them so bad yeah. that I'm just like no I want to go and yeah. then so what I do is I usually do a live dork forest and then I do a stand up show, and for both of them you can pay ten bucks each or you can pay fifteen, and then if I fill the room Deal. you know you it's a bargain. Well, yeah. it's also it's also smarter for us to do 
live podcasts around cons because there are, you know, 50,000 people clustered. Yes. And and it's not like just going in on a random night where there's nothing. It, it basically... We're we're just we're just we're putting the trough near the herd. That's it. That's and it's so and because people at those conventions, they're normal Americans. They're yeah. regular people. So they get all all your bro jokes, but they also get your weird horcrux joke, right? I mean you're just like <laughs> I I'm I'm building a tent over here and so I'm gonna fill it up with my Now the horcrux that you had to create by doing all the bro jokes at all of the <laughs> exactly, clubs around the country. Exactly. It's you gonna to be gorgeous. Split your soul seven times. Yes. Um, uh, by killing on stage. On stage. I was gonna tell you that the Boy, la- if I did I just alpha three nine Matt <laughs> <laughs> his, his forehead is still resting on the microphone uh. I I was gonna tell you the last advice I took of what bit to do on stage and it worked just as well but means that I gotta just keep writing it because it's great is uh, Andy Kindler Andy Kindler uh, I I asked him if he had ever seen a man called horse and he is age appropriate. I saw it because my father loves cowboy movies. It is a non-racially sensitive uh, Richard <laughs> Harris Indian movie, cowboy and Indian movie from 1970. Richard Harris, Man Called Horse. Uh, Richard Harris would like to be an Indian. The Indians are like, yeah. Anyway, uh, so they hang him from his pectoral muscles. And it's on the poster where he's hanging on these metal hooks from his pectoral muscles. And... I was like, you've seen that movie, right? And Andy was like, no, no, I haven't seen it, but I think you should do the joke anyway. I think, because I think the people have seen it. I just think I'm the one who's never seen it. Has anyone seen that movie? No, so, I'm aware of it, but so I've you're never taking seen reference it. advice from the guy who makes the most specific references <laughs> in I, comedy. I, I ate it. The joke so did not work, and I get off stage and I'm telling the story, and uh, Greg Fitzsimmons goes, "Wait, you took advice of what to say on stage from Andy Kindler?" And I was like, "Noted, noted, uh, yeah." And uh, who yeah. is you know? I think we can all agree one of our favorite comics to watch of perform, course. but oh, his God, references are very. Very yeah. specific. Very specific. Especially when he starts going down these deep industry dives. It's a giant rabbit hole that he wallows in. And then he crawls out of because he's been doing stand-up comedy so long. That And he has the skill, he has developed the skills to get out of that hole. Uh, this one, the golden retriever of stand-up comedy, Jackie Cation. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have, I, I just keep... I just keep talking. I'm just like, no, no, you like me. You like me, right? Come on. And then here's another joke. Here's a different one. But it's a breast cancer joke. It's really good stuff. Man called horse. You're going to see it on the next album. It's going to be awesome. Fantastic. It's going to be sweet. But you uh, you also uh, were one of the people that made me feel like it was okay to start talking about um, you know, all the kind of nerdy oh. shit that I wanted to talk about because cool. you had the, uh, <laughs> the about calling the helpline. For, oh, the Nintendo, the Final yeah, Fantasy, Legend yeah, the Final joke? Fantasy, like, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, about killing God and all the yeah. I get so many, um, so many guys who are like twenty five or twenty six who come up to me, it's like, man, when I was fourteen, I saw you do that joke on Comedy Central, and it changed my life. You were the first <laughs> one to do a joke about video games, and I was like. Yeah, that game changed my life. It took away eight months of my life. And then $37 from the Nintendo helpline. Mm-hmm. And uh, Was that your favorite? Uh, was that it was your... my favorite game. It was the, It's the greatest game. It was the old gray brick of, mm-hmm. a, of a great Game Boy, right? And it's fi- I always thought it was Final Fantasy uh, f- 1, but I've been corrected 
Many times, many as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy II, I'm told, and it is, and it's super hard. I mean, they they wouldn't make a well, game that hard. Well, you had to call hard. a helpline, of course. It was right. hard, but they wouldn't even. I mean, like this, it's sort of based on like the they're like Zelda games because they you wander around the world and you figure out what the hell. You're it's like a, it's to like do. an open world RPG kind of a yeah, yeah yeah, and it was huge. It was five different worlds, and the worlds were huge, and it was black and white, and it was pixelated, and it was. Uh, and the storyline was, you know, like initially you had to like get the sword, the shield, and, and you're, the crown. You're just like you just you walk you walk from from location to location, and then you get ambushed in between, like right. in the forest, and all of a sudden you're in this melee. Yeah, yeah. And then there's boss. I mean, it's normal video game. And then there's a boss fight. Let me explain how video games work. What happens is you fight this one guy, what? and then you keep walking, and you, there's another guy. And anyway, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was genuinely the funnest game, and I have tried to replay it again, and I've, I have I, st- I I had to give up. I was like. I just played a game on my iPad um, called Middle Management of Justice, and it's an iPad game. You know how most iPad games you could play like five or six times, and then you have to either give them money, yeah, right. or you have to wait several hours to reload, yeah. like Candy Crush or Pop a Pear or whatever. Uh, this thing, there, you can keep going. You can continue to Farmville tap on things forever. I could have died of starvation. Uh, just a just a skeleton getting ready to tap a Middle Management of Justice. I'm, <laughs> you or you you were training. Um, superheroes to uh, fight and and it's there's a lot of upgrading there's a lot of maintenance of the you upgrade the office things are happening it's uh it's a fun game it's and and your and your husband is actually a, a, a game a designer game de- he designs games yeah. he's the only person i because i was playing six hours a day for eight days until i beat it and he the only person in the world would be someone who makes video games who would come up at like day five and go I'm so psyched to see you playing games so much <laughs> <laughs> i lost a gig I didn't respond to the text message. I d- it was a nice gig. The- <laughs> I was I was playing. I, maybe, I think I, I well, think sure maybe I think maybe your middle management skills might need to be aimed a little bit <laughs> more uh, real time. Little, yeah. real RL. Yeah, yeah, you started the story by co- telling us how much the game didn't cost you. Right. <laughs> it actually probably cost it. you about five grand. <laughs> yeah. Good night. Excellent point, Matthew. Excellent point. <laughs> Noted. So, so I'm doing this gig tonight. Uh, should I upgrade body armor? No. Uh, it's just stand-up jokes. The, la- the last time that happened, the last gig I missed because of a video game was StarCraft. And, oh, uh, God. StarCraft buried me for a while. I, I yeah. did, I've not played StarCraft 2 because no. I just don't want to lose no, I, that a significant part of my life. Uh, right. right. The there's, a certain, there's a certain time when you just have to step away from all of those, uh, just uh, entire platforms. I, had I, to lo- just, I loved yeah. Warcraft and Warcraft 2 yeah. Yeah. so much that it because the, they're the kinds of games where and you and I have the same uh, alcoholic brain mm. which is uh it's very di- like when I'm I'm out doing other things that you I'm supposed to be Ethiopian doing guy too? and I fucked the 72 year old I fucked the Ethiopian guy <laughs> 72 year old guy and then there was a, a nice I just mashed him up he was a 17 year old Ethiopian guy <laughs> like let's just streamline 17? this 17 72 okay so uh um I would be out doing things that I needed to be doing to maintain my life and still be thinking about you know, um, right. uh, raiding the mine to get all the gold to upgrade uh, the barracks, and you know, oh, and yeah. so, and then StarCraft came along. And it was like, oh my god, it's that, but with space stuff. You know, <laughs> did you ever try Mist? Yes, and Riven, uh, the sequel to Mist. You know, uh, the, here's my problem: I never really played Mist correctly. I spent the entire time games. in the library. 
Oh, yeah. Like, that, weeks and weeks reading great. everything in the library, because I thought for sure the secret would be in the book. It turns out it's a video game, Jackie. Do you remember Matt Weinhold's old <laughs> yeah. joke about computers? He used to do this joke about computers because uh, he didn't have one for many years, and his friends were like, you got to get one. you got to get one. That's how old the joke is. Yeah. Because he said, have you been outside? The graphics are great. <laughs> and uh, in a video game, uh, leave the library. <laughs> yeah, but but Myst was like the that first CD-ROM game where... Everything was the. It was like almost photorealistic and beautiful. Yeah. Oh, the graphics Just like were this, amazing. that utopian, mm-hmm. empty puzzle world. Yeah, oh, I fucking loved Mist. It was so great. It was, yeah. I heard Jared Logan do a bit about Mist. Really? Recently, yeah. It was a long. It was a, some. It was something. It was the longest thing about how Mist. It was the worst premise ever, because whoever you helped, two people were trapped in eternity in a book. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert: uh, Mist, a game from seventeen years ago. Anyway, um, <laughs> there was um, there was one of the Zork games was very much was was very much like Mist, and I can't remember what it was called, but they did a CD-ROM Zor- Zork title. Right. Uh, it was before. Maybe it was right. Before or after the work of the Grand Inquisitor, and I can't, I think it was Activision, but I can't fucking remember what it was called, but it was very much that you're in this weird utopia, this weird world, and it's right. empty. I used to have nightmares like that, where I would just be in some weird world, and right. there were no, there was no anyone else. Right, no people, nothing. Sounds great. Just a I bunch of puzzles to solve. I occasionally have nightmares where I'm trying to do stand-up and everyone's deaf and I don't sign. I'm not even kidding. It's like, guess who needs another uh, thing to do in life? Uh, you just described uh, the open mic you performed. <laughs> no, I swear to God, this gun control joke, there's something here. Come on, you guys. And then you start getting flustered because you get spoiled. Because yeah. you, you do, yeah. you know, like, it, it's you know, when, when people say, uh, oh, uh, you know, do you bomb? And you go, you know, bombing at a certain point, it's it different. doesn't really happen that often yeah. because you have enough skill sets that even if stuff's not landing, you go, okay, well, I'll just. Go I'll somewhere just else. Pull this other trick out of my sleeve, or I'll just go into the crowd, or whatever. And so, it's very, it's very rare that you will, where it's just like the audience is just not having a bar of you. Yes, and yes, you. Do you I don't eat it. Uh, very. I mean, when granted, it could happen. It could happen at any time. But I mean, usually I can go somewhere to milk the goodwill of the audience at the very least. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just sort of, it's just sort of the benefit of having done comedy for fifteen years yes. is that you just. You yeah. just start to figure out how to, like, you know, roll and with the punches. And then you redefine what bombing is. Because, quite honestly, I got off stage and everyone was like, oh, that new stuff, there's a lot there. That's nice. And I was like, I, I got to go. I got to go. Okay. I got to go be depressed until my next set. <laughs> and uh, so it's, I mean, it doesn't make, I mean, it's just talk about alcoholic thinking. Talk about ridiculous thinking. Oh, I did, by the way. I did a Nerdist, uh, Janet Varney's JV. Yeah, JV Club. Yeah, and she does this, and I had never played Mashup. Mash or whatever, where she asks you like, what would be the food and drink that you could if you if there were no repercussions, uh, what you what you would drink and eat? And I was like, well, clearly chicken, and then uh, booze, and then I didn't even. I, third one, you can fucking pick it. I just want uh, all <laughs> the booze in the world chicken and some chicken. And booze? chicken. Do you and still booze. do you still wish you could drink? Uh, when I'm not thinking about what I was like when I drank, yes, you know, like when people are having a beer or when people. Um, are they're like, well, we're gonna go to this cool. It's gonna be like booze and cruise. I was right. like, oh wow, that'd be something. Except for, you know, I was, it, yes, it, I would love to. I would love to be a, but, right. but, a regular person, a regular person who could drink. But then 
I never was. And even when I was drinking, I didn't want to be a regular person who drank. I wanted to drink everything and then work heavy machinery and and get arrested. Did did that happen? A couple of times. Just a couple of times. Did you uh, drink? Your goal was to get drunk? Oh, yeah. From the get. You too? From age nine. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess whether consciously or I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think it was. Let me let me, let me well, interview on. the two alcoholics. Well, hang what, on, hang well, on. What do you think? What do you think? Well, I, I don't think it was that I that I that I was like. I'm asking. I want to get really drunk. I think it was. Um, I don't want to stop. I think it was more from the other. And what part? What What was it that made you go? I don't want to stop drinking. Like what? Because to add, I mean that is a mystery. Well, yeah. I know, <laughs> well, I know. If you're I, looking at I, it, I know, I know what it was. I mean, it you was... guys have both tackled them. You tackled your demons. You can talk about I, tackling is a, is an ongoing process. Yeah, um, that seems... you're, you're basically locked. You're basically locked like a like a Grecian <laughs> sculpture yeah, of grappling. two uncircumcised wrestlers in the dirt. <laughs> Uh, is basically what it feels like. But wow! But I, I always picture circum- that's weird. I always picture circumcised. Right? But I think um, they were not circumcised. I, I think I think ultimately uh, it wasn't so much like I want to get drunk. I think it, a lot of it has to do with um, being able to control the environment. So no matter where you are, you can drink and control how you feel. So I think a lot of it for me mm. was a reaction to not being in control. Not feeling like I was in control of things and needing to control them the same way that, you know, if someone has an eating disorder, they are controlling if they can't if their lives feel crazy. And I don't mean to speak for people with eating disorders, but this from what I understand, it's very similar to alcoholism in the sense that if I can't control everything that's going on out there, I can control what I'm putting into my body. And and yeah. that and that that's a weird way to sort of feel control like you are controlling in, a, something. in a chaotic world, yeah. even if it harms you, right. you still are controlling the outcome of the experience. And I think the other side of it for me was not claiming responsibility for uh, any type of emotional state. Like, if I got very happy, I would drink. If I got very sad, I would drink. It was not having to deal with any extreme emotion, which I'm very, I'm a very hypersensitive person, so and so I feel very extreme emotions. You drink the way I eat. Well, I mean, I I, I don't so. know. I if you feel that we're way, we're not here to judge your no, eating guys, habits. No, please go ahead. And uh, uh, well, what what I call um, like the thing is is because I don't drink right now, yeah. and I try not to eat emotionally. Uh, I uh, I just I make an announcement uh, to my loved ones. Hey, my Asperger's hump is acting up. I gotta <laughs> I gotta get the hell out of here. Sure. <laughs> and because uh, I don't know how to, because I just I have I have emotional re- I like I don't know how to have. My social skills are not excellent, and no, I don't think anybody's really are. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot of people who are good. I know some people who are good at it, and those Todd people. Glass. Yes, when I think of a guy who's good at it, and uh, <laughs> my my favorite my favorite Todd Glass, I was in UCB New York, and you might have been there for that one where he made Rory Scovel clothes. He <laughs> he was supposed to close, but he he said he didn't want to. He made Rory Scovel clothes, so Rory's up. And Todd is heckling him from the side, yeah. and he won't stop heckling him <laughs> when he was supposed to go last. Yeah, and then and and, and Todd yells, "You can do my closer if you want, Rory. You can do my closer." <laughs> and Rory pauses, and then he just goes, "You know, Todd, I'm actually not comfortable saying the N word." <laughs> 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 oh. And then Todd is just jumping up and down, going, "Now people are going to think I do a joke. Now people are going to think I do a now." Pe- and-, <laughs> and just, I can just imagine Rory's like, "Well, now, Todd." I- <laughs> It was so, so great. Funny. It was the greatest response. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so for you too, it was some sort of social anxiety. 
Yeah, well, and the thing is, is what they, the, what the literature claims is that it is an, uh, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And so what I, what I understand with most addictive person, with most addictions, you know, like it's when, what I also do addictively at this time is I reread. I read books. Okay. I read books, and then I reread them, and then I reread them. And if I'm feeling any sort of social anxiety, I'm like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go read 20 pages, and it could be Harry Potter. Yeah. It can be a Cage Baker book. It can be a romance novel. It can be William Gibson. It doesn't matter what it is. I've, I've, I've just had to have read it before, and I just returned to sort of a safe space in a book. And that... Uh, it could be worse, you know. I mean, there could be worse addictions. Rereading, yeah. not the worst addiction. Doesn't if t- you're going to have one, right? I mean, I I sort of you know I was like, well, if I know I'm programmed to have these types of obsessive behaviors, I might as well do something constructive with right. it and not. I mean, it's better than. I mean, obviously the goal would be well, you don't have any obsessive behaviors at all. Everything in moderation. But how I lovely I, would that I, be? I don't know if it really. I I, I don't know if I. For me, I don't think it really not, works that way. I'm not wired that way. So, you know, it's... Uh... God, I wish I exercised too much sometimes. <laughs> no, huh? you don't, because then you'd really fuck your body up. <laughs> it's true, true. Anything too much is going to fuck your body yeah. up. And I never miss the I never miss the drinking. I really don't, because it just... I know... I think what it's... I think it's important when you when you have a weakness that you respect its... How powerful it is. Yes. And, and, if you, and you think if, it through. If you respect... If you respect its power, then... You're, I think you're less likely to do it because I go, well, yeah, I could, you know, like when we were on a road trip, if we're driving, you know, for we, we were in Scotland. I was oh, like, right. oh my God, there's so many old, there are, there are pubs here older than our country. Right. And, you know, and they're charming and wouldn't it be great just to, just to go fucking yeah. hang out and be in this old pub and kick back a pint and then I go... And then I fast forward to like thirty beers from that. You know what I mean? Right. Like I just know that it wouldn't stop there. And right. so it, I go it wouldn't it wouldn't be the sort of bucolic experience that is on a is on a commercial that you're like Yeah. So I know that That's what I always think it's gonna be going in. I'm gonna be a lady. I'm gonna have a nice glass of wine. No, it doesn't work that way. No. And so I know that uh I know that it won't I know that it won't work that way. And so rather than saying, Oh, I can't do that, I go, Well, I know what this will lead to, and I do, I choose not to do that because right. I don't want to lose everything that I have in my life. So you think logically? Well, I try my best you have to, to. Which, yeah. which, by the way, constant vigilance. Mad Eye Moody. Mad Eye Moody. Which, by the way, like writing the writing the scripts to run in your brain at the moments of weakness to kick oh. off, like cre- like creating that sort of emotional macro in your brain. Yeah, is um, it takes work, but yeah. then at a certain point, it's a becomes a habit, and then you just sort of like. And right. then, and then at a certain point, it becomes so fast that you barely realize that you've processed it. But it happens. But it's just at such a fast. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it only comes up. It comes up sneaky sometimes, and it'll, it'll come through a weird door. Ten years for me in October. What about you? Fifteen. Yeah. In September. Oh, nice. someone's better at it than you. Damn it! Yes. Yes. <laughs> better at it. Because it is a competition. Isn't and, uh... it? Yeah, everything's a competition. That's what I was told by my dad, which is probably why I eat. Right. <laughs> exactly. I think I think one I think one aspect to obsessive behavior and if you feel like you are you eat and you can't stop yourself uh, luckily i've been able to sort of curb it but yeah but ahead. if but if you do feel that way then i think some of it could is is can be a control issue and it's just like i, I need to be in control of something and, and yeah I'm guessing I, yeah. you could find something i, I mean, need to control the sprinkles curbside pickup like i need <laughs> it to be at a certain time <laughs> well it's just that it's just that you know we it's it's so difficult to control uh, emotional outcomes 
with the rest of life, you know, especially in this business and you feel like, you know, no one ever really feels 100% stable and someone could come along at any minute right. and go, I'm, you're fired or I, you don't, you shouldn't be doing you're that. No and, they, cool. and they would take away the, you know, like they would, they would get the jump on you emotionally. But you know, if you're drinking or if you're eating or whatever, and in that moment, you know exactly how that thing is going to make you feel. You know exactly mm. the, what, what's going to be produced chemically yeah. in your brain by ingesting that thing or taking that thing. Then that, your control, that, that's yeah. you controlling your environment. That was the worst part of Last Comic Standing because I did that, that's dumb game. Andy said, you're right, you've played this game twice. You've never Never won, and you don't enjoy playing it. Please do not play it again, because <laughs> uh, uh, and my husband, everything's a game. So, but the um, but the the worst thing about the reality show that is Last Comic Standing is that there is someone with a camera uh, for six hours a day pointing it at you, and the segment producer behind them going, "What do you uh, talk about? You know, what do you think? What's your life going to be like uh, if you don't win?" Thirty to seven million times a day, yeah. and the first seven thousand times they say it, you can joke and you could say, "Well, I'm, turns out I, I'm, I'm going to Tucson next week. It'll be fine. I'm going to go do stand-up <laughs> comedy. I got an open mic on Thursday. I'm going to go do this weird coffee yeah. shop." And you can joke about it and go, "Well, I'll still get to do stand-up comedy because you will. You yeah, will still get to do stand-up comedy, whether anyone cares or not." And um, but the billionth time they ask you, you, you start your head starts spinning, and you're like, "I wonder." I wonder what will happen if I don't get this. Will it? Will my life be over? What, what's going to happen? And then you want to eat a sandwich, yeah. or you want to, uh, or you want to drink some booze, or you want to go fuck somebody, or you want to go spend some money, or you know, I mean, whatever your addiction is, right? Well, I I thought I'd bring it to a screeching no, fucking. No, no, no. I, I was just I was thinking I was about like thinking four about different points that you made in things. there, and which one I was going to. Oh, right. Talk what? about because it, 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 I guess you know. You know, I was just sort of localizing it to booze and food, but it is any kind, any kind of sexual thing or any kind of money uh, thing, and money thing, or those any are kind other of people's obsessive collecting of something like anything where you are controlling the experience because you know the emotional outcome is it, like it's it's a very simple if a then b right. type of type of scenario. Right, that's all you got. But uh, but you think you think it's all you've got, right? You think all I can do is have another beer. All I can do is go buy those shoes, or all I can do is find some woman to have sex with me next to that dumpster, and uh, or whatever your journey is, <laughs> or a combination of all of them. Right, with her in new shoes. That's right. And <laughs> outside the bar exactly. that you're drinking at, and she's like, "Don't get that dumpster juice on me. Fuck me on that donut shop." <laughs> but that's what I call my cum. It's dumpster juice. <laughs> Really, my pussy's called the Donut Shop. Oh my god, this is great! <laughs> what you guys? A web comic? A web comic? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll call it Sprinkles. Uh, oh, delicious! Oh yeah, Sprinkles cupcakes, really good, fantastic. They're they're their pretty... vanilla cupcake is the single greatest item on the planet Earth. Oh wow! Well, yeah. now I want that. Yeah, where the you hell is want it? it? It's uh, the Grove. You can go to the Grove. They're opening a whole Sprinkles Bakery where they're going to introduce more than just cupcakes on La Cienega. The, this uh, episode sponsored by Sprinkles. If Sprinkles would love to sponsor me, I would uh, gladly take a gift card. Uh, right. You would do it in trade? Yeah. Sure. Is that, right, is that right. the is that the best idea? What to take a gift card? Well, if you're trying Sprinkles? if you're trying to not like Possibly. I like when I when I when I was trying to when I was trying to get Enjoy drinking and under your drinking. Yeah, 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 someone you, was like You didn't want a Budweiser gift card? I did not want a Budweiser <laughs> gift card. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so a Sprinkles gift card, maybe not. The one, the the, the, the thing about eating though is like, you know, you gotta take that. De- you you can, gotta take uh, that devil out three times a day, man. Yeah, you gotta you do it anyway. 
And then there's, you know, if you build in your certain whatever plan you have, you have that cheat day or meal, if you will. There's always the option for a cupcake. But but what I got to try to do is not get a dozen. Well, the hardest thing, the hardest thing, which I actually, um, I I, I do believe, well, in my point of view, I think it would be harder to, if I had the eating disorder gene as opposed to the drinking gene, I think the eating disorder one would be harder because... Drinking is not something you have to do, but eating is something you have to do to survive. Yeah, and I'm, so you're constantly yeah. you're constantly having to engage in something. You're right. You're, That's you're basically what the eating act. Yeah. You're standing. You're standing in the waters of your addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're not supposed to wade too deeply, but you're right there. My right. body looks like your 2006 liver felt. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You just gotta just. Uh, you know, I don't know. Read a book. Seven, Read a book. Well, that's why I think that, that, that's why I think you know when like, people, it's that's not. What I do now. It's the, you know whatever the addictive personality, whatever the addictive trait is, is is a is a byproduct of what the underlying emotional issue is, and so that's why. And we just exploit. Oh, that's why. Yeah, no, I'm saying that that that's why just quitting something doesn't fix the problem. It just right. helps you get to a yeah. place where you can think clearly enough to start to fix the problem. I can quit, but cake's still going to be delicious. <laughs> it's always it's gonna always going to be delicious. But once you remove the cake, then you look around and go oh actually cake was not my problem it's my problem is, was is the that solu- cake was the solution cake was the the, the temporary band-aid <laughs> of the fact that you have other emotion like emotional things or financial things like the thing is is like when you like when you when you lose like when you when you drink a lot sometimes you lose your job you lose your your mm-hmm. partner you lose your parents you lose you know but eating cake's not going to make you lose your job you it might depends depends and, and you think about those crazy hoarder people the cake is a lie uh, the cake is a lie. Cake is not my downfall. And uh, but the the crazy thing about about like hoarders. Like, yeah, I love hoarders. Let's do, talk about it. The, my, the one TV of my show. favorite programs on television. I, here's how, what I want them to do with hoarders. I want them to find a hoarder, mm-hmm. kidnap the hoarder, okay. burn their home to the ground. I love it. Find them some actual help and film none of it. A lot of legal hurdles. A lot of legal hurdles. Here's what I, I think. It used to be called social services. Mm. It's gone now. And it's is, not is that, that I don't... Is that a bit? It should be, right? Because that's really fucking funny. And yeah. film none of it. None of it. I was taking a sip of water when you said that, and I almost <laughs> choked on it. Yeah, it is now. It is a bit now. That's and, really uh, fucking funny. Yeah, because here's... I'm, I, I, I love a train wreck as much as the next person, right? You know? I don't know. I love it the most, I think. <laughs> really? When you see a train wreck, do you ever pull over and hope to find a foot? Yes. Yes, all right. Any sort of body part. Any, I'll collect any, it and bring it to the coroner. Sure. They can put it back with the body. I, I <laughs> Right, it's not like... You're, yeah, but... It is, it is sort of funny that a lot of people that watch hoarders and go look at those crazy fucks are gen are uh, a lot of times they're actually hoarding you bite reality. Your tongue, sir. You bite your tongue. They're hoarding reality shows. Mm-hmm. Reality mm-hmm. reality. How's that DVR? Is it's it pretty loaded locked up? Locked and loaded. <laughs> loaded up with some some hoarder crap. Uh, it's not hoarding if it's digital. Well, I don't. <laughs> you can't see it. I don't like hoarding buried alive. No, but I like hoarders. You like the hoarders? The, the, the yeah, hoarders show. there's a difference. But they got pet hoarders now. They got. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're hoarding pets. I'm listening. People who hoard, hoard pets who have more than. Oh, I thought it was like a cat who hoarded a bunch of acorns. Aww. That would oh, be adorable. adorable. That would be the yeah. weirdest cat ever. Adorable hoarders. They really, they're not really nut people. I go. <laughs> Cats. <laughs> That's why it's a problem. All right. Oh, I didn't see that. They're Good hoarding point. outside their. A- outside their, their food chain. <laughs> their food chain. <laughs> they're hoarding outside their cartoon yeah. food likes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
Uh, there, uh, the the lines are very blurred. It's blurred lines. So Robin Sixth thing is singing a song, and there's a bunch of naked cats with their tits out. <laughs> oh my god! So I was at my high school reunion over the weekend, and my fi- this sums up my. Uh, uh, I know. There's I just, no. There's no, no I'm just imagining them just putting on blurred lines and enjoying it. <laughs> oh no! I walked by uh, Cindy Chubakowski. You don't know her. She just has the greatest name in the world, sure. Cindy Chubakowski. Uh, she was talking to Stefan Zigarowitz. Yeah. I went to school with some Polish people. Sure did. And uh, so I really because I thought that was just I thought that was Chewbacca's original name. (laughs) I changed it to Chewbacca. It was Chewbacca. It was Chewbacca. (laughs) She was like, I needed to ethnic it up. And uh, so she, uh, I'm walking past her, and I just hear her say drunkenly and very passionately, "My favorite band will always be Foreigner." And I was like, I wished to God I could have remembered a foreigner song. So feels like the first time. Cold as ice, right? Mm -hmm. Jukebox hero. Yep. There's some. I mean, and I'm not saying they aren't a perfectly good band. I want to know what love is. (laughs) Yep. Urgent. Fucking Lou Graham. There's something really genuinely adorable about that woman. Yes, that's holding on to foreigner. It was so beautiful. I was like Chubakowski, and that's what I said when I left. I was like Chubakowski, you rock, because it was. uh, that's because we called each other by our last names in high school in the 12th century. Chubikowski. And, uh, that You'll never a be lot, a foreigner to so. us. <laughs> well, I don't know if it happens now, but it right. happens quite a bit. And then, so I put that on the on the on the Facebook group, right? Facebook group of uh, of my high school reunion, and uh, and the, it began a thread of people listing their favorite bands ever. And you know what came up more often than you would have thought it would have come up ever? Sticks. Really? Nope. <laughs> Out loud. Uh, I don't mind a couple of Sticks songs, but I would never have said, my favorite band, Sticks. It'd be like me saying, because what I did listen to in high school, a lot of Harry Chapin, talk yeah, about sure. some sad sack sure. music, oh, yeah, Taxi, yeah. Cats in the Cradle. Oh my God. The fu- it, You know, the thing about uh, Harry Chapin is that a, a lot of his songs were basically just these sad monologues with guitar playing. <laughs> the worst. Did you ever hear that song about the baby who died of starvation? Oh, I'm not even fucking kidding. It was like a five-minute song about some African baby that dies of starvation. And, and then, all it is is the last thoughts of the baby twang. Oh, and it's the worst. It's the worst. Oh, he just fucking kicks oh. your heart in. And then he died, and that was an act of God. Because uh, <laughs> then he had to stop making music. and Because uh, it, it just got brutal. It got brutal. What, uh, what, when did you feel like, when you first started comedy, like what type of stuff were you doing? And when did you start feeling like you were comfortable enough to start talking about, you know, video games and, and all these, t- and, and also, oh, you know, uh, emotional stuff and personal stuff? Did it take you a long time to get to it that? It probably took me, you know, I, I started in the, I count the 80s as one year, just because <laughs> I did, in college, I did stand-up for eight months. The club burned down. I didn't burn it down, but I got a 1.8 that semester. So uh, <laughs> it was probably for the best. And then I graduated from college, and I moved to Minneapolis in 1990 and started doing stand-up again. Is that where um, you met uh, Bamford? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, um, She was bald, and she had shaved her head and was playing the violin. In and a, it, like a prom dress or something, right? Often she was uh, dressed in some weirdo outfit, and then she had taken all these feminist stickers and put them all over her brand-new Toyota Camry uh, on the doors, the ceilings, the, the the roof. I mean, I was like, why'd you, why'd you ruin your car like that? That's a nice car. And she was like, yeah, because I needed to tell the people what I believe. And I was like, <laughs> you do that. <laughs> Who bought that car? Your mom? Okay, I'll be over here being a dick. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the, uh, <laughs> the she was so fucking funny though, and uh, but she played like and for that first couple of years she played the violin. But um, I did 
I, I started, I think the first jokes I did that were real were about my dad, right? And I still, I can still go to the vault. I can go way to the back of the vault, pull a, pull a dad joke out from 1990, 1987, right? And, um, but the, the, this, more and more recently, I've just been trying to do, you know, what's inspiring is, is Louis, you know? Louis's inspiring and Marin's inspiring. Because Marin, you know how Marin will be like, I'm going to open a vein. Would you like to open a vein with me? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would. Of course I would. You, I'm, I'm going to show off. Yeah, I can open a vein even bigger than yours. and uh, Or whatever. And so, but it, and the way Louis writes stuff, it's so, it's, it's so, per, it's like such a weird part of his brain that is part of almost all of our brains, right? I mean, we can all relate to some of the weird shit that he's talking about at the very least, right? And. And it's just, I mean, it, it's inspiring to watch stuff about, I mean, I have, you know, I have, I now have a hoarder's joke. I'm willing to do it. <laughs> I'm willing to go there. Well, yeah, I think, I think, I think what you're saying is that it's very hard to open up in comedy about real stuff and then not have people go, oh, like, to right. be, to, or get to, all sad, to get all sad, but still be able to tap into this place where you're basically just thumping people's brain and being like, this is a humanity thing. Right, right. Like I'm doing this new bit that, um. That needs work, <laughs> but uh, it's about how because I'm married for the first time in my life and I'm having sex with the same person, not just random Ethiopian gentleman. Uh, so, but when you have sex with the same person more than once, right? So glad he was a gentleman. He was he was a gentleman and uh, and a scholar. And uh, but the thing he uh, is, I have sex with my husband sometimes. Like weird things have happened in my life because I didn't never had a boyfriend and I did stand up comedy for seventeen years. No boyfriend, just got laid occasionally. Uh, was felt pretty about it. Would call it a tune up. Anyway, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, make it friends. So uh, <laughs> the thing is, hey, welcome to Nerdist. Too much information. And uh, so, but the the thing about having sex with with my husband on a regular basis, sometimes we'll be having sex and he'll do something that will trigger a horrible memory of something terrible that happened because I used to ride the bus a lot and uh and let me tell you something about the bus it isn't policed and uh when you're 16 or 17 look around (laughs) some woman is being uh might be anyway but the thing is is he'll he'll trigger something horrible right and then all of a sudden he is fucking someone who's crying and that isn't fun for either of us now i have a couple of choices in this moment i can stoically stare into the distance like it's some sort of porny dickens novel from 1870 (laughs) while he ruts uh or ruts <laughs> or I can talk to him like a person, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> because he wants me to have a good time, right? Even the one night stand guys wanted me to have a good time. I never had a, you know, whenever we would part ways, it'd be like, so that was fun, right? And I'm like, yeah, that was fun. Did you have fun? Yeah, I had fun. And then we would go our way, our lives. But even those guys wanted it to be a good time, right? Everybody, nobody sure. doesn't want you to have a good time. How much more does my husband wish me to have a good time <laughs> since we're doing it regularly? For the long haul, yeah. Yeah, and so I did. I said, boo-hoo, uh, uh, that reminded me of a sad thing, and that's why I'm crying. <laughs> and he is a game designer, so he is like, well, how do we take back the night? Let's LARP this out, right? Let's fix it. <laughs> He's like, we will role-play this, and we'll fix it. We'll fix it in post, right, or whatever. And he's just like, So we'll right now, up- right now, this level's boss is your sadness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and he can beat it. <laughs> That's nice. I like that, man. Yes, All right, thank you. <laughs> because he, we, we set up a couple of chairs. He's like, we'll set up a couple of chairs in the kitchen. We'll pretend we're on the bus, and then we'll reenact the horrible thing, and then at the end of it, you'll be fucking me, and you like me, my favorite line, and then... <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, and it totally wonderful. worked. It worked. It totally fucking worked. Really? And was, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> because, you know, like, I don't know. And I've had, and I've tried that bit like four or five times now, right? And there's more to it. But the thing is, is I've, women have come up to me after shows and go, oh, my God, <laughs> that has totally happened to me with my current boyfriend or lover or partner or whatever and husband. And they're, they're just like, and I never know how to talk to them about it because I want to, because it's not them. I just, you know, because there's a third choice. You can stoically sort of just go, it isn't him. It isn't him. This isn't the horrible person. This is the good person. You can do that. But that, you're never going to come with that mantra. That's not the <laughs> mantra that helps you come, right? Says you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, your lizard brain's the gatekeeper there. Right, right, right. You're, you're, it does not, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> now, now, now I'm just, now I'm seeing, now I feel like there could be some sort of Mr. Show sketch where your husband is like, <laughs> a former game designer used all the knowledge from designing games to figuring out how to fix his relationship partners. <laughs> His book is called Coding Pussy. Oh! <laughs> Could be it very easily. That's hilarious, because the thing is, I mean, it, it, depends, it depends what your job is, right? I mean, well, okay, you... listen, if you're, a game, if you're a game designer, if you're coding, mm -hmm. you have to understand how to get from this point to this point. Right. And you have to walk through all the steps. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that uh, all of the code is perfect. Right. You have to... Uh, justify everything that happened mathematically. Yep, and to 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 get this result. Right, he is not a coder. That would be how he would do it if he were a coding oh, guy. He totally. Just, okay. He's he's a game mechanic guy. So he sees. He's like. So we want to. And everything's got to be fun. He's like, how do I make the game fun? So how do I make the puzzle fun? What's the game mechanic to make this enjoyable for everyone? How around? do I make this crying puzzle fun? Yes. How do I fix the crying puzzle? <laughs> <laughs> How do I how do I turn this sad face upside down? And uh, well, I'll tell you how you do it in middle management of justice. Uh, there's a TV room. Okay, uh, <laughs> that you have to upgrade. Uh, so anyway, so it worked. <laughs> so it works. Yeah. So I mean, the thing. I mean, what a that, great guy. He's a great guy, and it's a great bit, right? Because it's a serious it's a serious sort of issue. It is because it's one of what's what's lovely about it is it's one of those bits where you where as you're laughing you're going I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing at this but right. I can't stop laughing right, that seems sad that sad things happen but now they're fixed and yay and then other people are like oh my god I'm trying that and uh <laughs> and so and I because I've had women come up to me and go yeah we're doing that we're gonna reenact the we're gonna reenact the crime and then at the end of it we're gonna be sleeping with the people that we like so how was and, how, how what how was the what was the the thing at the end that made it okay? Was there any sort of... Well, you of... know how... Okay, you know, I don't know if this happens. I mean, it has to happen to guys, right? But I don't, I'm only living this life. Yeah, sure. We'll out. help you out. Yeah. You're guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but the thi when you do things that are... that When, when bad things happen, like mm -hmm. like if, if, if you're touched in an inappropriate way, if, 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 a, if a bad situation happens, and then for some reason... You were to get a hard on, <laughs> and then you're like, "Well, I know this isn't right. I know this isn't right. Why am I getting a hard on?" Because it's and, anchored to the. It's emotionally anchored to the thing. It's emotionally anchored to the terrible thing yeah. or the weird thing that yeah. happened, and then so, so you're feeling both things at the same time, right? And you're just like, "I have a vague, sick feeling in my stomach, even though I am super turned on." As if this neural pathway was created <laughs> that is not. It's just, it's almost like a physical. 
thing, like a like a. a, a it's a, very lizardy. Yes, it's very lizardy, and it's connected in in a way where it's like, oh, these two emotions are happening because they're connected to the same circuit. Right, and so what what the game mechanic did was to recreate the bad situation, but with a a right person. So it rotated the situation. You know, like I also I had a massage on Venice Beach. Used to do a long bit about it, and uh, uh, w- the guy was fingering me while he was giving me this massage and right in the old right, right in the, the old uh, that's where i keep my vagina yeah that's the punchline yep and uh and then i had to say uh hey that's where i keep my vagina you're gonna move to the other leg <laughs> but what really happened because ladies don't always speak up is i tipped him uh i got off the fucking table and i tipped him yeah yeah that's Extra, what i did more or less than you would have exactly previously. the same amount uh no no notice no special Nothing, treatment no special treatment just gonna keep moving keep moving here's ten dollars gotta go and uh so <laughs> the uh but but what the so whenever I'm getting a massage, I can sometimes get sexually aroused. Way too much info, mm-hmm. internet, and uh, but the but the thing is, is is you want to take that back, right? I mean, you want you want to a be able to enjoy massages b, and b enjoy being fingered, right? Uh, and c enjoy all sexual well, activity, so, right? Of course. Right, so to to bring all those three things together, there has to. I mean, let there be a new story written over. The story of creepy Mr. Lee on the Venice Boardwalk. Now, so if I do this with your husband, am I going to enjoy being fingered? Because I don't. Maybe. I've Maybe never. We'll, you have your own. You have your own journey. It's like, is <laughs> you know when you're in the treehouse with your buddy from high school or whatever. I don't know. So fascinating. It's so. I mean, it's you know. I mean, wh- whether all, our, all men's sexual discoveries happen in a treehouse <laughs> <laughs> or camp, whatever. You know, you're at the stables, and uh, <laughs> there's a trough. Look at that mare. <laughs> <laughs> You're visiting the farm. Somebody picks up a duck. It's, but the the it's. I mean, let's see if this corkscrew thing is true. You never know. I mean, I, I just I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't have any boy comparisons. <laughs> That's really interesting. So he creates new so a new emotional association. Right, right. I'm I'm sure that there will be a Ryan Gosling movie made about it. He's, be... you know, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you how that he's very brave to do that because he's basically telling you to stare something in the face which he which runs the risk of potentially ruining you forever if he really if it hits the wrong way oh, right he believes in himself as a game designer <laughs> <laughs> that's an excellent point but i think yeah i think it takes bravery on everybody's part well to there's be... no question on your part because you have to feel the thing again i have to feel the thing again and i have to admit to the thing right you first you have to inst- because it is there is part i have just cried and stared off into the distance, right? I mean, there is a time when you can you can just suck it up and go, eh, this will be over in a couple of minutes. It'll be fine. And uh, but the, I mean, you can do that. But there's there's being in a relationship is the most is the bravest thing I've ever done in my life. I have never been in a relationship before. I've just I had a boyfriend, a weird boyfriend in high school, uh, college rather, for like a year, and um and I was mean to him, and then eventually we broke up, and so sounds about right. And then because you're it's your first, I mean, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing, and so and I've apologized. Uh, but the, uh, the thing <laughs> did is, did you apologize to him at the reunion? I no, I apologized to him. Uh, prob- I see him. He's a comic. Oh. anyway, because he was we started doing stand up together. Oh, gotcha, and, gotcha. Because that's what you want to do with your yeah, first. Sure. So he doesn't know Chubikowski. He doesn't know Chubikowski. Right. Ah, but uh, the. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's 
but to be in any relationship, like the sort of the honesty that it takes and the and the reality, you know, I've had many, many roommates where you're like, well, do your chores and, you know, be your you make sure you're polite and, you know, respect each other's space and this stuff. So that's how I went into the relationship. I was like, oh, so it's be a roommate with perks, right? We'll we'll just mm-hmm. we'll get to have sex and and he hugs me. We'll and split the bills me. and do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll get to do it. Yeah. We'll roll around like puppies, and play games. <laughs> and uh, good times. And uh, and so it was a unique way to go into having any sort of relationship. And he was like, I love it. I love this politeness and uh, and this this sort of roommate sort of gentility. You know, there's a gentility to it yeah. that we're doing that I don't know. Because I've seen other people have relationships one after another. And it doesn't seem to be like my first thing. Even when I had shitty roommates, we were polite. You know, yeah. I mean, just don't be a. You know, there's nobody wants impolite roommates. And so and then you try to keep the common areas clean. And, you know, because <laughs> I because well, because Andy did say to me, we were like, and this is a bit that I do, which is but it's true is three months into dating. He said, it's great. You've never really had a boyfriend because you don't have any expectations of me. <laughs> and I said, I have expectations of you. And he said, what are your expectations? And I said, well, I expect you to be nice. I expect you to be polite. I expect that if we ever live together, you'll keep the common areas clean and that you will do your half of the chores. And he said, yeah, those are roommate expectations. <laughs> those are not boyfriend expectations. And I said, well, what are boyfriend expectations? And he goes, you don't need to know. <laughs> so, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> It'll be fine. And then I will bring I, nice things will happen and you will be happy. And nice things happen and I'm happy. So Well, that's that that's really interesting. I mean, first of all, it's interesting that uh that you went through that and figured out that you could work through it in that way, but it's also interesting that that you're talking about it too cuz it yeah. yeah, I think maybe that's the hardest part. That was the hardest part. It's the talking about first it on, time I talked about it. On yeah. stage. Yeah. Because you have a very you talk really fast and you have a very upbeat manner on stage. Sure. And so, you know, it's there's I think there's almost something with the swiftness with the way that you're presenting material that it doesn't sit long enough for people to be like, oh, wait a minute. You know, like it, you're just hearing it and it's right, you know, like because you're just like skimming it. Uh, right. Well, you know, I did the show uh, up in Montreal I, and, and uh, whoever was timing my set said, well, you're not leaving any time for laughs. You got to cut like two minutes out. And I said, they can laugh later. It'll be fine. <laughs> Everybody's got a DVR. Just rewind it and watch it again. It'll be fine. They can laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I did that thing at Outside Lands with you? Yeah. And I uh, I had those two bits were at that time 16 minutes. It was two eight minute bits. And I had got I had been given 12 minutes. And I did 14. And I got off stage and you were like, Jesus, you talked fast. It was I unbelievable. Said, I said, well, I had to get those, I had to finish those jokes. Those I mean, jokes like, yeah, yeah, because especially near the end, you're like, okay, okay, all right, okay. Like, it was just, it's just bam, 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 bam. And then this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And people and... start laughing, almost like, shut up, just listen, I have to get through this. <laughs> yeah, and then you can laugh later. It'll be fine. <laughs> Buy the album, buy the published works. It'll all work out. Uh, is uh, are, are you on the road a lot right now? I am. I am on the road a lot, but uh, and it's good. I uh, thank you, thank you, God, uh, for uh, yeah. I'm I'm working a lot, which is good. I'm home for about about a week right now, and then I go to Tucson, and then I go to San Francisco to do um, like a like a weird live Dork Forest and, and thing again. So and Dork Forest is your is your podcast that yeah. I, that if people don't know, they shouldn't know about it. I've done it. A lot of people have you've done, done it. it. Yeah, Fred Armisen just did it this week. And and I I remember I I remember the bit that title came from. 
The Dork Forest. Yeah. The Dork Forest was the war reenactment bit. The war reenactment. How deep into the Dork Forest do you have to go to get to the war reenactment, guys? You have to go past the, uh, oh, you have to go past <laughs> the uh, Beanie Baby people. Yes. Uh, you have to go past the, oh, fuck. I have to say it all fast if I'm going to do it. It's like you got to go by the Beanie Baby people, the uh, the Renaissance Fair folks that, uh, oh, I forgot it. I forgot it. Uh, for uh, Dork Forest. And then... Harry Potter himself. <laughs> And uh, to get to the war reenactment guys, who I won't hang out with anymore. How sad is that? When I moved here, that's what happened. I moved here, and I met these guys who were World War II reenactment guys. And that was the line. That was the straw. Well, I never, you never see World War II reenactments. Yeah, it's the worst idea ever. It's, yeah. uh, there's still people alive <laughs> yeah, from that one. Because you can just go talk to someone who yeah, was Yeah, once there. you go talk to an old guy. Yeah. I'm doing, <laughs> and then the, the, the tagline was, I'm going to do a Vietnam War pre- protesters uh, reenactment group. We're just going to get stoned and pretend we're making a difference. Oh, they already did that. It was called the, uh, what the fuck, Wall Street? Oh, Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street. Oh. No, it's the entire generation of, of 57-year-old guys who drive Escalades. That's what, they, that Occupy was just uh, the next generation yeah. of that. It's fine. They'll drive Teslas. And so you've been you've been doing Dork Forest for a while now. Yeah, seven years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Getting in on the ground floor of podcasting is not as profitable as getting in on the ground floor of plastics. Uh, it's a wonderful <laughs> life reference. Uh, so, but it is really it remains super fun, right? Because it can be the because I talk to people about what they dork out about, right? Moshe Cashers in the next one. Great. He loved. He loves religion, and yeah. so we talk religion. For an hour. He texted me the other day asking me if I had read the uh, parable of the sower. <laughs> and I'm like, do you mean from the New Testament? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why? He's like, I'm trying to get some books on tape and I want to know if it's any good. I'm like, it's the you fucking want... Bible. If someone, says, if, someone, if someone says to me, have you heard the parable of, I'll go, well, I'll just stop you right there. <laughs> I haven't read it. Although I did, I mean, I, no, I, I, mean, took, I, took theolo- I had to Catholic take theology school, yeah. into Catholic school too to take theology. Oh, that I forgot about that. Three weeks ago, my brother, my oldest brother's an evangelist, and he um, he calls me three weeks ago. He says, "Hey, I'm I'm publishing a new version of the Bible." Uh, what? what? You What's know, a new a, version. Well, he said it's going to be easier. It's going to be easier to read. And I'm like, you're just highlighting things that you believe. So all the all the gospels are 140 characters or less. <laughs> Well, They're, you know, because there's there's lots of people doing tweets. new versions, like the Good News. Remember the Good News from back in the day, the King James. Those are oh, all King versions James of the Bibles, sure, yeah. right? And but I was just like, uh, and my brother Terry is an evangelist, and he's just a piece of work, right? And so I was telling my dad, and 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 I said, "What, Terry? What are you doing?" And he goes, "I'm calling you to tell you a nice thing." And I said, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, what's happening?" And he goes, "I wrote a foreword to the Old Testament," and I. And I was like, okay, stop, stop, stop talking. You have balls the size of Gibraltar. You can't write a foreword before the Old Testament because forewords haven't been invented yet in the I, Old Testament. You know what I said? That I was said, day eight. I said, you know, that the Old Testament is the foreword to the thing that you believe. And uh, he was like, I am trying to tell you a nice thing. A lady from Harvard really liked it. And I was like, that congratulations is there going to be a picture of you on the cover she doesn't Listen. go there she i just she was hanging out in front of it i i, I went the high road in the harvard thing and i, I did not make fun of the harvard i thing. will say this right now it's not a terrible idea your brother will make money it'll be fine yeah there's a picture of him on the cover he'll just pressed just, against yeah. the glass ceiling he'll be just fine. there's just one job that he's looking for yeah it's gonna be great yep so what uh what what is the foreword of the I don't know. I'm going to Tucson next week, and he's uh, he lives in Tucson. 
Oh. And I always have one lunch with him. One lunch. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. One lunch. Does he he tell you... uh... He homeschooled his kids. He has a GED. I have a a family like that. (laughs) So basically, he's basically... It's not your problem with him is not that he's a very religious person. It's just that he is a very he tells you how to. He's the biggest bossy fucking magoo of religion. Is my problem with him is it is not that he has found the Jesus. It is the Jesus that he found. It is. I got I got some Jesus. I'm not above the Jesus. My Jesus is not as grumpy or is as concerned with uh, what is going inside people's hoo has as his Jesus. And uh, and and you know he's the easiest guy to rebel against. He's got four kids and they're all. All beautiful children, very nice, but they all rebelled against him. In, so they in some all way or share another. different Jizai. Right, they're Jizai. Uh, his oldest daughter is dating a Muslim guy, and uh, and and he's a very nice man. And I hope that she's not just. And I know that she's not just dating him because he's because he's Muslim. But I mean, I think it was inst- it was part of it. <laughs> so he's not. So the so your brother's not thrilled. No, and he's not thrilled that our sister is gay. And like he, he, I called him to tell him that him, my sister and her girlfriend, um, had a science baby, right? They have a couple of them now. And, uh, and, and so I called everyone. <laughs> little, little car, little call Sagan. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, hey, Daryl and Sam had a, had a baby. Um, you should call and, or send a card or send a dollar and a, do something, be a human. And, uh, so I'm calling to tell everybody. And Terry's like, well, you know, I can't call. All I can do is pray for that child. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you're right. You shouldn't call. You shouldn't call. And he goes, well, you know the church saved me and it made me a better man. And I said, yeah, that did make you a better man. I just wish you were a better man than you are. Because I am a dick sometimes. I, I was like, I'm eh, all, I'd, I'd say called oh! for. I'd say I was for. so mad. I was so, I was like, you were so rude. I can't even talk to you. <laughs> So does, does he not have a relationship with your other sister at all? No, no. Everybody, nobody has any relationships with anybody. They all have a uh, hub, Jaycation. Jaycation. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, how's Nancy doing? How's Dad doing? Uh, how's Terry doing? Taking how's a Jaycation. I'm taking a Jaycation, and uh, I know, I, I I got three siblings living in Minneapolis right now, so they they talk to each other, and then I got a brother who lives in Milwaukee. He talks to them occasionally and around them to me, and he talks to me, and then our dad lives in Milwaukee, and then my brother Terry. Mm, he doesn't. He calls occasionally. I mean, very rarely, but mostly talks through me to find out what the hell's going on with them. Wow. Wow. Yep. And you so that means is I have to talk to all of them, which can be ha- exhausting. Do you have to? I do not. I do not. <laughs> this is a complete and entire choice on my part <laughs> because I do love them, and that's that's a new bit I want to work on about unconditional love and how it's only it feels unconditional only if you're forced to hang out with people like my cousins. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call my. I wouldn't hang out with people that I'm related to. We wouldn't be friends, and I might miss things because of it, right? Right. But there, I would. I probably wouldn't know most of my siblings unless we were related, and and I would miss. I would miss some of the cool things that they do and, and are. But I would also have other friends. <laughs> so it's weird. So uh, do you, are you are you pretty unique in your family? I mean, just in terms of the things that you're into and the stuff that you're about. Is is everyone? Is it literally like? Four or five different points of view, or is or is, is there a well, cluster of people that are very similar, and then some outliers? Well, what uh, I've d- decided recently that we're all, to some extent, patterned after my father's button pushing career. Uh, my father's a giant button pusher, right? And it's a learned skill. Like what he wants to do is irritate you, just short of you punching him. Yeah. And that, as a learned skill, means that he has been punched because uh, <laughs> yeah, you go too far, and then then you get like I was nine years old, and I come out to breakfast one morning, and he's 
been beat up. He's got a black eye, fat lip. And I'm like, what happened, Dad? I'm nine. I'm reading a lot of Louis L'Amour at the time. And, uh, and he goes, I won the argument, lost the fight. <laughs> and uh, and he they he the guy knocked him down and he said so Frank Pulaski punches me knocks me down he's kick again with the poles uh, he's kicking me and I said he kicked you when you were down that's not fair and he goes no no that's what you do that's what you do when they're down because then they don't get up and I was like even when you're on the bad end of terrible life choices you're still supportive and he's like. Well, that's what you do. I'm not saying. So when he was down there, was he like, I support what you're doing. Oh, oh, this is. Dad makes sense. I'd be doing that. Oh, gosh. Oh, make sure and get my ribs. Let me just lean this way a little bit so you can crack my windpipe. Oh, that was solid. If you knock the wind out of me, you're right. I will not get up. Then you can walk away and I can just feel crawl it. Being out of right here. never felt so good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're, I mean, they're all, and they're all very successful. It's interesting about my family is that everybody's super successful and good at what they do. And we were raised in such a haphazard ways that it makes me laugh to just, like my brother is an evangelist. He has his GED, but he has four children and a house and a, and a beautiful wife and, and, and a, and a, and a following, a bunch of sheep. I mean, he's got people who listen to him. Bossy Magoo them. And uh, and then my second oldest brother has four children, and he's a print salesman. He's very successful. And my third oldest brother's a commodities broker and is very successful. And my fourth oldest brother is an econ professor and has two children. And my sister is a financial advisor. But, you know, half of them are very conservative and half of them are very liberal. And I always just, I, I can I can give up. Like, I always think that the conservative, my conservative brothers and my dad are just saying it not because they believe it, but just to be button pushers. But that possibly could be naive. Or it could just be a, you know, I mean... I a mean, wishful thinking. Maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe it's a little bit on right. your side and a little bit on their side. You know, my da- here's a joke that nobody's ever gotten. Uh, it's, there's three people in the world who laugh at this when I try this one, which is that my dad hasn't voted since 1972. McGovern. He voted for McGovern. And, uh, and I asked him why one time, and he said, well, because neither, neither, neither party's on my side. Why would I? Why should I vote for either of them? I was like, "Are you an ent?" <laughs> My father is an ent. <laughs> yes, but then you need to see all his brothers being uh, slaughtered by orcs. And then... <laughs> yeah, and then he will rise to the occasion. Yes, it's, you know he now he always wants everyone to do well. He just he he he. It's not that he doesn't want everyone to to do well. He just doesn't understand why everyone doesn't like he. He's like the kind of guy who's like, well, if you aren't happy, why don't you just do something that makes you happy? Right. And you're like, Dad, that's simplistic. And yet people do not do it. He said, I'm not saying change your life fundamentally. I'm saying go get yourself a sprinkle cake or, you know, go get yourself a pinky ring, which is what he did. Uh, so what do you think, uh, wh- where do you see, uh, where did the album, has the album come out yet or it's about to come out? No, I'm, I'm recording it. It's going to be called This Is... I want it to be called. The label doesn't like the title, but I'm doing it all myself anyway, so I get to call it whatever the fuck I want. And it is, uh, This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux, uh, is the name Fantastic. of my next album. And I'm recording it and a DVD in December at Acme. Oh, you're, recording at Acme. you're actually recording at Acme. That's yeah. Great. Yeah, that's where I always record, just because it's my home club. And oh, Lewis is very, very supportive. Lewis Lee, it's a great, it's a great room. He's all, yeah, he's a, it's a great room. It's in Minneapolis, and it's, he's almost more supportive of my career than me. Yeah. Uh, you know, my mother used to say, my favorite comedian, Norm MacDonald. And I was like, you know, I do stand-up comedy. And then <laughs> and my dad, <laughs> and she was like, it's a given. And, uh, and I said, mm, 
It would be if you didn't say Norm McDonald's quite so much. And then uh, my dad's favorite comic, Maria Bamford. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, but that's just because it's his favorite kind of. The, this, the tiny blonde woman in her mid-30s is when he met her. And uh, he's like, oh, she's cute. She's... He hit on her at my wedding. Really? Yes. And so she, Maria fucked her dad. No, no. She said it was it was actually pretty good because my father hits on women. It's all just a cold call. It's a it's a numbers game for she him. She put her so. hand on his leg and he came. <laughs> <laughs> oh, creepy, 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 creepy. Well played. Well played. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> she said that he. It was just essentially he just stood there. He was like. And she got this sort of weird vibe from him, like, I think you're pretty. If you were to want to be in on this, you could be in on this. And it was all incredibly standoffish, but she said, I feel good about myself, and yet I could turn him down, and he took it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I told him that, because, you know, everybody needs a shot in the arm. Yeah. You know, Dad, you, had, you still got the good moves. It didn't work. And he goes, oh, yeah, she doesn't have the right father issues. My father said that about my friend. And I said, do you have a laminated list, Dad, of what are the correct father issues as you are my father? Maria did write uh, the greatest joke about my dad. She said, wow, you're officially too old for your father ever to molest. (laughs) And I told him that joke and he laughed, uh, which means everyone else gets to. Because my father is a jackass. He's not broken. Well, you guys, you and Maria were on the road together a lot, right? You were actually yeah. opening for Maria for, I'll, a, for Yeah, a I'll, open, I'll open for Maria any time, day or night, because it is a treat to watch Maria Bamford. I, someone asked me the other day, what's it like being best friends with Maria Bamford? And I said, it's like being best friends with Hermione Granger. Uh, that is the 13th reference to the Harry Potter books that we've had here at The Nerdist. But, but when you see my stand-up special? <laughs> <laughs> like 14 of yes! those. Yeah. Uh, i like, really, am I going to do this again? Yep, this is yep, where my brain's we're going. We're going, we're going. Doing it. And but because you're you know, with if you when you're best friends with Hermione, you spend a lot of time in the library. Yeah. When you're best friends with Maria Bamford, all you do is work on your comedy. That's all we do. We play joke machine yeah. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she'll she the one time and I had to I only did it once. It's exhausting, it turns out. She wants to do twenty minute chunks at each other. Oh my god. We did it for two hours. Two and a half hours. And I was like, Well, I'm exhausted. I gotta take a nap. Did anyone did it work? Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, the thing is, is that night the shows were amazing. I mean, they were amazing shows. When you get to work on the exact wording and someone is just attentively going, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, and then tweaking words and helping you out. God damn it. You know, do you watch Breaking Bad at all? Uh, I have tried. It uh, it isn't going to get any better. That's what I noticed when uh, the doll fr- fell into the pool. Right, right, yeah. right, I was right, like, right. Oh, decisions are not going to be made that I'm ever going to. I already know people making bad life yeah, choices. Yeah, it's 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 it, 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 there's it, it chips away at your soul. Yeah, yeah. In terms a little of like, bit, oh, little bit. why would they oh, do that? Why would you start over? Start over. Well, there, there's there's one. This isn't too much of a spoiler, but there's a there's a part where they need a bunch of meth, so they just take a camper into the desert and they just spend all weekend making as much meth as possible oh, and right. so i watched that and i was like i should do that with jokes why don't i why don't i just oh. go into the middle of the fucking nowhere yeah and 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 just write for 48 hours well because because you don't want to do it i mean that's too that i mean some people can do that like bands do that right don't they and uh but maybe but what what i what we there's joke machine there's one rule of joke machine someone tells you a premise Someone tells you a joke idea, you have to say there's something there. You can't go, no, too creepy. You can't talk about like like the sexual, weird sexual thing that was coming up. Maria yeah. was like, yeah, there's something there. And like the weirdest thing, like my dad, I go to my high school reunion this weekend and I call Maria. So I was like, so my dad said to me before, he said, well, you should lie and tell him you're in a bunch of movies and stuff. And, and I was like, dad, my career is going just fine. Why do I have to lie? <laughs> and he's like. Well, you're just to make it a nicer thing. And I was like, everybody has an iPhone, Dad. They're going to, uh, why would I, 
It's was, easily verifiable. And I was just on Conan. What do you need from me? <laughs> and uh, and Maria was like, oh, you got to do something about that. And I was like, that's oh, too depressing. She said, just wait. <laughs> so, yeah, but so that's what you do. I mean, you just you just try jokes back and forth. And we'll only do that for like, see, the 20-minute chunks at each other, that was brutal. I was like, what it usually is, is it's usually at 45 minutes, half an hour to an hour of just back and forth, just working on bits. Mm-hmm. And then that's fine. You know, then you can work on the thing and you're like, I got a new angle on this. And- How the fuck do you work on bits with Maria, though? Or or you too, actually, where it's, well, I guess with you, you're coming up with like descriptors and, and ways to frame things. But Maria is so, can you even give her jokes? Because it's it all just seems like. I, I, I give her angles and I can tag stuff. Okay, and so and which is what she does. She can give me a different angle to come from and a and a, and a tag sometimes, and um, yeah, it's like the she's got oh she's got this great thing about how her parents are so cheerful, they're so grateful in their twilight years. They're like, it's almost like they're high, where <laughs> they're just wandering around going, oh my god, the blue of this shirt is <laughs> so. It's stunning on you. And it's beautiful. And she's like, what are you doing? What are you taking? And, and it's, but it's much longer than that. And then she'll whittle it down to something manageable. But it's, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, she's just like, what do you, it's more, what do you think of this idea? What do you think of this phrasing? Yeah. And then the practice of the phrasing back and forth. So. So are you, uh, let's see, this, you're, you're recording the album at the end of the year. So that'll be yeah. out next year. And then hopefully you'll take a little bit of a break. Yeah. Before you start. Yeah. It'd be it'd be nice. I'd like to. There's that the one thing I've never wanted to go on a cruise in my life, but I want to go on that cruise up to Alaska to see the glaciers before they go away. Oh yeah, I've oh shit. <laughs> but they're but they're good though. Before right? they before they break up. Right before they break up. Yep. The band. One last before they break up. Yeah, I'm last. gonna go see the glaciers. I'm gonna go see the. They're great. You, yeah, they're great. They're I understand. Great they're leaving. It's after their farewell this. tour. Yeah. I saw I saw I saw the Great Barrier Reef. They told me that it was gonna break up, and uh, it turns out it's still there. Still right there. Still there. Well, uh, Jackie Cation, Dork Force is your podcast, and you're at Jackie Cation on uh, Chris. Matt, thank as well. you so much. Thank you for thank being you, here, Jackie yeah, Cation. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and uh, congratulations on all the stand-up success that's happening. And I really thank I'm, you. you. Do you feel so? Your recording is still like three three and a half months away. Do you feel? I have twenty five tight minutes. I need pr- another thirty five minutes. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I have. 30, I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's fine. I mean, the thing, if it isn't that audience that was there at open mic, they uh, they might be more forgiving. And maybe I stick all that 35 in the middle and I bookend it. I bookend it. Yeah. Nice. 25, yeah. And, uh... you could, what you could do is um, you could do 12 and a half <laughs> and then you have Banfoot come out and you guys do two, two 20 do, minutes at each other. Do a thing. And then you, and you, then you have a leave stage and you do your last 12 and a half minutes. <laughs> the audience is on their feet. And... Um, yeah, they they just shot a, a, a DVD there. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep talking. Uh, ben, right. ben Washburn just talked, uh, just did his. Do you know that guy, Ben Washburn? At, at Akron? I don't know if I know. He's a, he's from Utah originally. He uh, he's a he's a lapsed Mormon. He's genuinely uh, one of the funniest guys, and he is in such a groove right now. He probably gets sad at open mics too, and uh, <laughs> he's like they didn't love it. But he no, he had, he just has this great. He has this awesome. Just I, and I saw a rough cut of the of the DV because they shot it there, and David Crow directed it, and they set up some sort of weird. What's that? What's that? Where you sit on something and the camera zooms towards the cage, the, the stage, a dolly. Yeah, it's just called a dolly. <laughs> well, so I thought it was going to be fancier. <laughs> what's that dolly like thing? Where what's that, what's that hand trick thing where the, you just sit on and somebody pushes you? It's a dolly. It's like a ride. Dolly. Okay. No, dolly. that's not it. It's dolly a, tram. Dolly train. It's a camera it's a, scooter. Camera zoom. Yeah. It's a camera zoom scooter thing, and then, 
but yeah, it just it looked really good, and and I, I I'd love him to do it, but I don't know I don't know who's gonna do it yet. We're still months out. Um, what day does Dork Forest come out each week? Tuesdays, Tuesdays. Dorkforest.com. It's part of the All Things Comedy Networky podcast thing. Tuesdays with Jackie. Awesome. How many episodes have you done Tuesdays, at this point? Tuesdays, TDF. Uh, I've d- I did 200 episodes uh, with shitty recording where it was just a conference call. And yep. uh, they sound a lot like the Red Fox album from 1969. <laughs> you can hear the jokes. Uh, and that uh, that's on a weird RSS feed that you gotta you gotta come find me. And uh, and then and then the last hundred and the last like 200 episodes are pre-recorded crystal, and they're just at dorkforest.com. So I'm I'm at I'm at a little over 400. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. I was doing two a week, and then people were like, "Hey, podcast just blew up. Why don't you keep it to one?" <laughs> and I said, "Less work. I'm in." So great. So I only do. Two she was doing two a week before it was cool. I was doing all of it before it was cool. That's true. And Shit, you know what yeah. it was? You know what? It wasn't even cool <laughs> before it was a thing, an actual before, thing. Yeah, and I just heard about it. At, I think it was at the Gypsy. I genuinely do think a guy said, "Hey, I'm doing a podcast," and I said, "Well, what the hell is that?" 2005, and uh, and he said, "Well, you just call in, and then the internet records it." <laughs> That's what he said. The internet records it, and then it just goes up to iTunes, and you don't have to do anything. Shit. And I said, and I am in on that. That sounds like fun. It was just, I was just going to do, and then the Dork Forest name, I just needed a name. And I was like, people, people, that kind of resonated with people. So, and now it's, it's got a life of its own. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'd love to come back. Please do. I will come Anytime. back to the Dork Forest. Excellent. All Attainable right. goal. Enjoy your burrito. Enjoy thy burrito as, as ye weary traveler quests through the Dork Forest <laughs> looking for. World War Two reenactment. <laughs> People from the halls of Montezuma <laughs> to the shores of Tripoli. Uh, we leave. We'll just keep doing that. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.